Welcome to Sundial on WLRN. I'm Carlos Frias. A father, daughter, and son opened a tiny restaurant here in Miami and were nominated for one of the highest honors in the food world. The story begins when Fernando Chang had to leave Peru during an economic crisis. He left his kids, Val and Nando, behind with family. They didn't see each other for years, but they were reunited in Miami. Years later, they opened a family restaurant together. They serve a fusion of Peruvian and Japanese food. The restaurant, named Itamai, combines what their father learned as a trade, making sushi, and the home cooking Val and Nando learned with family in the town of Chiclayo, Peru. They became known in Miami as the Chang Gang. Fernando, Nando, and Val have been nominated as co-chefs for a James Beard Award. It's called the Oscars of the food world. The Beard Foundation celebrates the people behind America's food culture. It was a big year for South Florida. The foundation named 14 chefs, restaurants, bakers, and bars locally as semifinalists. The Changs are usually hard at work at the restaurant, but today we're making them take a break for an hour. So Fernando, Val, and Nando are here with us today. Welcome to the Chang Gang. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you know, for having us. I, 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 I read back that, that story, you know, thinking about that story, and you guys lived through a real saga to be celebrated where you are today. But I want to talk a little, a little bit about that journey to get to where we are today, you know? Um, Fernando, you left Peru when it was in the middle of an economic crisis. So talk to me about that a little bit. What was Peru like and what year was that? I think was 1996. 1996. And describe to me what, what that looked like. What was Peru like? What, what was the economic situation like? The economic situation was really bad. We have a lot of inflation, depreciations, and we, we couldn't make uh, a living, a, a decent living in Peru. So we need to look for, for the future, you know, for, we need to look for other places to, to, to live. Right. Because it was really, really, really bad in, in Peru to live. In those days, the economic was terrible. So, like, uh, was it, it became more expensive to, like, buy food and things like that and housing? Yeah. Not only to buy. They don't have, they don't have any. Uh-huh. No, they don't have diapers. They don't have milk. We're running from everything. And no. you had two little kids. We home. have two little kids to support them. <laughs> and so you decided, you had a, a little family shoe store, right? I used to have a, a shoe store in Chiclayo back in the days. And you were telling me the difference between a peleteria and a, and a shoe store, which you had. So what kind of shoes, what kind of things were you selling? In? We used to sell a lot of sneakers also. Okay. You know, we, we used to sell a lot of good brands like Nikes, Adidas. You're right, right. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have any memory of that as being little kids? <laughs> Uh, maybe I do because I'm a little I, I probably was I don't know two three years maybe one two years old when that happened yeah. right. and I do remember one of the few memories that I definitely have of my mom is my mom would pick those shoes for me in every color that she wanted I don't know why <laughs> I just always remembered her picking shoes for me right you know? and and Val you were so little you have no memory of that you were just like a this little 
this little kid bumbling around at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, I came back in revenge though later. <laughs> I love shoes, Dad. You're, I need all of them. You're a big sneakerhead now. <laughs> Not at sneakerhead. I appreciate the colors and the textures. It, it's. I think sneakerheads really pride themselves on the history of the shoe. Okay. Where like I like going to the shoe with my dad to the store, and I look at a shoe and I want it to make me feel something and I, I touch the texture and I, I like the color and I like the detail but I don't really look at the history right, right. of the house of the shoe. You it's know, like a sneaker head in denial. <laughs> it does sound <laughs> like she's in denial. But I love every kind of shoe. Yeah. Oh, I have a closet nice. full of heels, boots and like I will think it through every shoe. See, Fernando, you did that. That's <laughs> uh, You did all that. You have to take, take he, ownership of that. Usually I make him like I'll go shopping and I'm like, I'll pick like a really affordable one and maybe not an affordable option. And then I'll show him a picture and I'll say, which one do you like better? And he always picks the most expensive one. Of course. And, and, gusto, yeah. gusto, uh, yeah. and when I could, I would be like, I would send him the bill like for half of it. Like, <laughs> well, you helped me pick for this one. Oh, so that I think- is so <laughs> devious. I get to think we, I have to be careful with that one. So Fernando, tell me a little bit about you decide you have this decision. Talk to me about what it was like to make that decision. To, to have to to have to leave and and leave your kids yeah. with with your sister, right? With my mom. With your mom. With my mom took care of my kids. Well, the decision have to that is, uh, I have to be pushed mm-hmm. to go out from. My mom say, hey, you have the chance to go to Miami, so you have to do it. No? What, have, what was waiting for you in Miami? What was the chance? What was the? We always hoping that. The economic situation is gonna change, right? But it never happens. So we have to decide. We have to go now, right? So we we have to leave Peru. And so you arrive in Miami, mm-hmm. and what is Miami like at that time for you? Miami was a little bit messed up because the years before, uh, Andrew used to visit Miami. So. Oh. <laughs> You know when so it hit, so it was like ninety three around like Andrew was in ninety two so it was a couple I, years I, after that I think I came ninety four ninety four okay so it was a couple of years after that a couple yeah but still Miami was you know on the on the Andrew's recovery side recovery of that. yeah and you you had what kind of job waiting for you, you were in a, in I, a restaurant right uh, yeah I I came and my my cousin used to work in a in a in in a Japanese restaurant okay. So when I came, he put me in to work in a, in a in a Japanese restaurant. And and what was your background with cooking? Had you been into no, cooking at all before you no, even came no, here? No, oh, at wow. all. I never touched any <laughs> any pots and. And yet, at some point, you started moving up to to working with the food, not just like cleaning dishes or something like that. Right? <laughs> yes, I do everything. Oh, okay. Like what? In, what a, in every position in the restaurant, I, I did it. You know. I started as a busser, you know, and then I, I became a, a cook, a sushi chef, and I, I tried to do all the positions. Right. And so you, you're really in this hustle where you're starting to, to yes. make, to make uh, money so that you can send back home, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. And so the, how long were you guys apart in those years? I think four years. Four years. Wow. Right. That is because at the beginning I told him, "Hey, I'm gonna be there out for two there's, years." There's right? like, there's a, th- so the timeline goes: my dad leaves to the U.S., stabilizes kind of our lives back at home and his own life here for a little bit. Right. Then he actually goes back, and then another four years go, 
before we actually came back to the states before you came back together yeah we uh, we 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 probably didn't see each other for like my dad says like four years four years but after that i i do remember it being more like now we're lined up to we know in. what we're going to do. It's just going to be a matter of, of time. Oh, or maybe yeah. maybe with my dad, it was a bit less time. And mm-hmm. with my mom, it was more like eight, nine years. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. I'm well, sorry. I was really young. So. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, Val, do you have memories of that, of, of like that time in Peru and with your dad coming back and going in that, that kind of back and forth? Do you have memories of that? Yeah, of course. What What do you remember of that time? Being with my grandparents, I mean, I was just attached to Nando. So for me, the only thing that couldn't go change for me was Nando. Oh, you guys so became even when super I came, close. I, I think I was born close to him, honestly. Like, <laughs> my mom used to tell me stories how they used to put me in my own room and I used to cry until they put me, put my crib into his room. You know, so so no, I think me, we definitely developed like, a tighter relationship than most brothers and sisters. Right. You know, and the, more you, the older we've gotten, the older I've gotten... I realized how special my relationship with my sister because you're also able to compare other people that we know that have siblings and be yeah. like, oh, we're different. Yeah. <laughs> we just we also think and like very similar things without without that. Like for example, we we if you give us a something to pick, uh, like a shoe. Mm-hmm. Let's say a shoe. Mm-hmm. We'll probably pick the same shoe in separate rooms. Right. And we'll and. But when we tell each other why we picked that shoe, then that's when we go, oh, we're connected <laughs> because yeah. we're thinking of you the same thing. You guys should have been twins, right? Yeah, you guys got that telepathy. It's kind of like that. I think Val and I always end up in situations that which are pretty funny. So it was opposite of like sibling rivalry. You guys didn't have much of that? No. No, we had the very traditional big brother, little sister relationship where it's like I wanted to play with whatever he was playing and he had to tolerate me next to him but would like unplug my remote and tell me like you know how you have the two screens when you're playing and the screen is a computer and then the bottom is you oh he told you that and he'd you be were like, playing that's you and i'm like yeah crushing <laughs> he it. told you were playing but you're really not connected to the yeah. game that's and so like, funny i would want to play with his friends and they would be like okay you can play but she's mantequilla which means butter what does if, that mean like we would play hide and seek but okay. i was mantequilla so no matter what don't tell her that but like no matter what no matter if you i was it like it didn't matter i wasn't a counting point oh okay they couldn't tag you they could they, they were just like yo she's here as an honorary so like <laughs> we're just doing this for nando and and eventually no. i caught on i was like That's damn like <laughs> so you guys grew up that that separation made you guys brought you guys close together yeah of course yeah, but well. it was it also had to do with how I think our grandparents every day reiterated to us how important it would be that one I looked out for her like they it was it was borderline like obsessive <laughs> really in in a sense of yeah like hey make sure like that your sister's around you 24/7 I think that that changed everything about my growing up too because I I think I became um I matured pretty quick you know Well, it made well, us really responsible right away cuz yeah. like like I spoke to you about this last time, but as I've gone through therapy, you, you learn these things mm-hmm. and you learn like it makes you in survival mode right away when you're like, okay, my parents are gone. Okay. Okay. What do I do? Like, because you're also watching every other kid around you interact in a healthy, normal way with their parents. 
and you're very confused like wait why why out of the rehearsal i don't have anybody sitting there because mm. my grandma a very traditional asian woman was go 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 and she had ends to meet for us too mm. so if she could make it she would but if she didn't and there was no foul there there was no sorry there was just like <laughs> it's not gonna be there right right but you're there you got your outfit on you like I'm leaving because I need to make sure you I can afford to buy the outfit you want to wear for this because I happen to want to be in every single show. Right. At my school, like I was a Asian like Blanca Nieves. I did like <laughs> you're Snow White. <laughs> I shows. was the Virgin Mary. Right. I, I like everything I wanted to do it, and my grandma would you know that was the effort, but that was really difficult. It's like musicals and stuff like that, or school plays, you know. You know like, but it always. Those costumes always ended up costing something, so I think that's what like, what my grandma would always be like. All right, I'll make it happen, but you go watch her and then bring her back. Oh, that's so. Because <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll be working. You were the chaperone at Chaperon. Yeah, always. Right. Fernando, what is it like for you to hear? You know, years later, your kids talk about some of those things. You know, and and you know, because every everybody sacrificed so that you guys could be you know eventually take a next step forward. What what is it like for you to hear them talk about this years later? Yes, lady. I think for me, <laughs> I feel it pay off. All the sacrifice we did, you know, to leave our country, to leave my kids. Everything is paying off right now. Right, right. I, I wanted to ask you about your mom. Was she? She's not here today, obviously. But she, uh, you guys, uh, uh, where was she during all this? She was here. She was here. In so the States. my mom was sixteen when she got pregnant with Nando. 17 when he, she gave birth, 21 with me. Wow. And oh, came from a very good. hard upbringing in Peru, very mm. unstable home. She's probably going to kill me for all this, but that's her reality, you yeah, know? And yeah, I've. Absolutely. So she was. And I always tell this to my dad because I'm so lucky I have my dad. Like, I know that we're lucky because I know my other side of my family, which is a great, great part of me too, and it's made us really strong. But we always had that constant pressure of my dad making us, like, we couldn't stray away too far. You know, my dad's had things that he needs us to be successful on. But my mom didn't have anybody in her side. Like, my dad had my grandparents being like, you got to go. You have to leave. You have to go to Miami. You will make whatever you need to do for your kids. And we'll support you by watching them. But you have to leave this country. Where my mom, which is, she was fighting on her own, you know literally on her own she was just I think since she was the age of 13 they just kind of were like in a very traditional old school poverty mentality just go out there find somebody who can take care of you and, and you're not our problem anymore the moment you get pregnant the moment you marry somebody else you're their problem so then she found herself here in the U.S. as a 21 year old woman failing fa like no failed marriage no family no education no higher education, no job. And she kind of just, you know, I think she had a lot of growing and healing to do. So she she was here and we, that's a person like for sure we didn't, we didn't see, right. you know. You were, but you I, were. for me it was a different experience than Nando because I only struggled when like Mother's Day came around because I would go and, and I would have no picture of my mom, which was a failure in everybody's part now that I like as an adult I'm like why did my dad or my grandma or like anybody do this for me you know like why was I going to draw pictures and, and I couldn't I didn't have that but I also had never really met her right 
So Nando, I think for him, he had spent time with them. I've never seen my parents together. So for me, it was a little easier. My struggles came with her later as I became a woman. I'm like, oh, hell no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I can't believe you carried us inside of you and you, because I'm, I'm a woman. So I have the nurture. But I think he saw them more. I never was like, I never had that of like, why are my parents? Because I had never seen them together. Right. Yeah, you guys, you guys overcame a lot, uh, both as a family and you know, uh, uh, as immigrants coming here uh, from Peru. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but I want to talk a little bit about your culture and how it influenced who you are and, and then eventually your cooking. Um, we are speaking with Fernando, Nando, and Val Chang, the owners of Itame Restaurant in the Design District, recently nominated for a James Beard Award. We'll be right back. We're back on Sundial. This is Carlos Frias, and our guests today are three, uh, Fernando, Nando, and Val Chang, the owners and founders of Itame Restaurant in the Design District, which is nominated for a James Beard Award. Actually, they are three together as best chef in the South, which I think is the f first time we've seen really that that scenario happen where three are nominated for <laughs> that one prize. Um, we we're talking a little bit about your culture, you know, because mm -hmm. you mentioned quite, you know, a couple times that you're this uh, Asian woman, and we should talk a little bit about your Asian background because you guys are Peruvian, but you guys have Chinese background as well. Of Chinese descent. Of Chinese descent, and um, and that plays into, uh, well, not the Chinese part, but that plays into Itame, which is, which is a Nikkei restaurant, which is a Japanese Peruvian fusion, right? The, tell me, tell me a little bit about. I'm curious. No, I'm curious about um, Fernando because you you came and you started first doing just sushi, right? Like you became known from a guy who didn't know how to cook <laughs> to working in restaurants in Miami from Peru, and you just you started learning how to do sushi. What? How did that? How did that happen? It happens because one of my 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 bosses started opening another restaurant. Okay. And I asked him, if you want to hire me, you want to take me to work in other place, can you please uh, teach me something, you know, to so I can provide for my family, you know, because if I'm learning one office, I can start providing, you know, more money for my family. So I moved to the new restaurant. I started working. I started training as a, as a chef, as a sushi chef. How interesting of all, because you really wanted to be able to have a skill. You wanted exactly. to build. You need a skill to survive, you know. Right. And and did you take to it right away? Is it something that was that you felt like naturally came to you? Yes. You were good at it. You were naturally I, good at yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I knew I can do it. And he's also, I don't want to leave this part out because it's very important. My dad always tells me this, but it's because he looks the way he looks his appearance his physical appearance <laughs> which is what tell me about that he's asian he okay. looks asian right like if you if you see my dad you walk into a sushi bar and, and you see uh, my dad at the sushi bar you would think oh that's he's a japanese guy making sushi right instead of maybe you see somebody who looks like uh, more of a straight peruvian background let's okay say. and back in those days it was very important to the proprietors of these restaurants <laughs> okay. to make sure that their counters looked as quote-unquote authentic as possible. Oh, so one of the I things see. that was relayed to people that looked like my dad was, you'll be first choice because you look like the kind of guys that we want. Wow. So Which kind is of pretty crazy to think about because if you do that, I think nowadays if you get caught doing something like that, you'd be in, 
in trouble, I think. Right, it. like, uh, like you, you, like you look like you might be generally Asian. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll put you behind the <laughs> counter to be a sushi chef. Well, my dad can get, I can assure you, my dad speaks no Chinese or Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are like general generations of of Chinese. Mi papá siempre like, dice más peruano que la mazamorra. <laughs> que él es más peruano que la mazamorra. He's more Peruvian than what's mazamorra? It's like a dessert, a dessert It's made dessert. of a purple corn, like almost oh, like a like jelly a, pudding. Okay, okay. I'm I'm familiar with la chicha morada, but not la mazamorra. It's, It's made that in a dessert. Basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pr yeah, pretty much. But you add like maicena to make it thicker, yeah. but it kind of goes to a similar process where you boil the corn husks. All the spices. Right. You add the spices. Right. So because of this yeah. this total random thing of fate, you <laughs> look generally Asian. They're like, this guy will be a... Uh, we'll put this guy to learn how to make sushi. You start developing this skill. And how does that? How does your life change because of that? I, lo I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But then you were able to start providing... You were saying you were able to provide a little bit more money and stuff for family and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. And so when did the idea of essentially... Opening a restaurant come into your come into your mind. Your caterings, my dad would always do caterings after work, and he, and I think after years, I remember watching my dad right because it's funny when you I, I'm watching my father provide for us, but I'm watching him do something that I've never seen him do before. Because for me, my dad was like, "Oh, I'm making sushi now," and I was like, "Oh, okay, what's that?" And hey, you didn't grow up with sushi, no, obviously. No, no, no. Yeah. This is like once Val and I get back here and we start watching my dad. And I'm like, once we got back to the U.S., a big change happened for Val and I, which is we were now around our parents every day. So yeah. I was watching my dad, watching what he was doing, and I was also watching my mom on 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 the days that I would see her because we did see our mom when we got back here, like. Um, we lived with right her. Away. We were Monday through Thursday with her, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday with my dad. And one of the things that I remember vividly about my dad is the catering started changing. It went from maybe some things that he would do that were similar to stuff he learned at the restaurant mm -hmm. to now like a little ceviche inside of a grapefruit where he would carve out a grapefruit mm -hmm. and make like a ceviche like we grew up at home. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, oh, that, oh that's cool. Because when it came to just sushi, I really didn't have... It didn't pique my interest like right. that. When when he started bringing those things home, and that's when things became cool for us. Because then we started going, oh, there's like, there's there's a blueprint for this already. And then once I pretty much rediscovered Nikkei food through my dad's introduction, I was like, oh, you know. And I think that really had a big part on 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 how it how. Itamai came about is it's a natural trans like progression of of my dad's journey and then our journey together. Right, Val, talk to me about that too because you grew up kind of like next to your grandmother, right? Like a lot of home cooking, learning a lot of home like like uh, chifa type of cooking, like Chinese. Peruvian I just cooking. grew up with women who really loved to cook and did it really well, and I was always interested. Like I always wanted to wash the dishes or watch, <laughs> but they would never let me because they're like, no. You're gonna break oh, it. If you were my kid, gonna... I would I would have let you wash all the dishes you wanted. <laughs> you know, like we they they just didn't want us to break stuff. They didn't want us to get injured. And I didn't. I was very particular about food. And then around age eight, I started questioning food. Hmm. Like then I would be like, okay, I want to try a carrot. And then I was hooked on carrots for a little bit. But I I realized that the only way I liked carrots were shredded carrots. And then, like, but I was always super picky. Like, my grandma would make 
a fish and I would just come into house be like, no, 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 I can't eat that. <laughs> so they were always, they always had a backup for me or just, they were a lot lenient with me about food because I just didn't like food. I didn't want to eat it. I didn't really, to me, eating was like a, a task. Right. But my parent, my grandparents really let me just start tasting things. And then I was into lettuces. But I only realized <laughs> I only like iceberg very, lettuces. You started very slow on that, on that, uh, yeah, and then I only liked cucumbers, but I realized I only liked them peeled. Mm. But I still watched. Like, I know my grandmother, like, when something big was happening in her house. And I think when you're a kid hoping that you're... Nando and I, for many years, were just waiting for this big moment, which was my visa, I'm going to the U.S. Like, that we that was the only thing in our head, like, I think. Yeah, it was just sure. like, this is coming, this is coming. So... You kind of never knew when it was going to come. So you were like, every time my grandma was celebrating, you're like, so what's up? Is this why? Is this it's it? also is how we it? got through all those years. Like, it is, was like is, that one thing that my grandma would say. Because if anything goes sour, it was like, just remember that we that you will have more opportunities in life. Don't focus on just Chiclayo. Because Chiclayo had a lot of... I had a lot of bad experiences growing yeah. up. Yeah. When you don't have parents around you, I I I I could have ended up in a you know, in a in a in a much worse position than I was when I got here. What do you mean? What kinds of things were you were you experiencing? I just, dude, when you don't have parental. Uh, Man, that was a bad boy. Yeah, just kidding. I was, I was a pretty bad kid growing up. You know, I got I got tattooed when I was ten. Wow. I had a tattoo when I was ten. What did the tattoo say? Can't tell you, but it was oh. like um, <laughs> it was. It was like the name of like you know the. the he told me it was temporary. He gangs, told me too. You know? He told you it was a temporary tattoo and it was a real <laughs> yeah. tattoo for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'd be scared to the death of my dad, you know, finding out for sure. <laughs> Ten you years still, old, but that's what I mean. At that, years, oh at my that god, age, that was you, still, like, you can be influenced. <laughs> Look at you! You're just making a fist over there. <laughs> do you do, did you still have it? Have you covered it over? No, or? no, I still have it. Still I actually, I was. How do I say? I was thrown out of a school here in the U.S. for having tattoos, for being like accused of having like uh, like gang tattoos. Because only, yeah, the only kids that would wow. have tattoos at that age would be gang members. And wow. I was like, no, I'm not a gang member. It's like, how do you explain this tattoo? And I was like, I, I'm not going to. I can't. I'm a dumb kid. Yeah. I don't know how else to <laughs> yeah, explain it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. And I wasn't going to talk about my, you know. Yeah. The whole upbringing. Yeah, the whole, I wasn't going to go into that. So. Yeah. So talk to me. Talk to me about how you guys are. Then you're finally here. How does it all lead to Itame, right? Like everything your dad, you know, learning the skill of sushi that he takes and he says this is something I'm going to build on. And you guys learning cooking, you know, Val, you learning from your your family and you know, to see strong women in your house. And then Nando, you're learning at your dad's side. Like oh, I'm learning about this new kind of Nikkei cuisine, this fusion of Peruvian and, and Japanese that's endemic to Peru. What's the next step? How do you guys then decide? Tell me about that final decision one day to say, we're going to open our own little place and we're going to name it what we named it and here's what we're going to do. It really didn't go down like that. Okay. <laughs> At all. Like everything in our lives. We wanted my dad to open a little sushi bar because we had worked together before and we okay. realized like we always wanted to do things differently, naturally, which is natural for people to want to do things different it just takes a long time for you to accept that it's okay mm -hmm. you know so we wanted him i think nando and I, I nando and i our biggest pressure is that my dad can retire properly in it's in 
and calmly and happily mm. like that i don't care about anything else right now i'm like i just need we need the business needs to work so my dad can say i'm gonna retire my bills are paid my every i don't have to worry then the rest nando and i are gonna worry about ourselves eventually because we're gonna get ours no matter what right so we always had that pressure of because we knew the effort my dad had done to bring us here you know so we were starting to be like young and be like all right now we need to build something and we didn't want him to work with anybody else. So the opportunity came to open. And I, I told my dad, I'm like, hey, make sushi. These people want me to open a concept. I'm not ready. <laughs> but I they need a sushi chef. So I, I think the perfect person is you. Where was this at the time? This was in the St. Rock Market. Okay, so it was uh, now it's called like the Mia, Mia Market. market it's, yeah. the, it's the market inside the design district. Yeah. And they wanted you to do it because you had you had already because been had, studying to become a, a, a trained chef, so to speak. So I had, yeah, I was working for Mike Solo at the time. Give us some. Who is Mike? Mike Solomonoff. Oh, Mike Solomonoff. Yes. Okay, who is who is the founder of Sahab? Is a huge in, in group in Philadelphia. Yeah, a big restaurant group in Philadelphia that's won all kinds of awards. Yeah. So they were like, "Hey, why don't you open a healthy?" And I also was really into like eating like healthy stuff. And they asked me to do the salad bar with my friend Sasha, who's an amazing chef. Um, but we just weren't ready financially and we were too young to really understand because we could have really done it without <laughs> looking back. <laughs> so I'm like, Bobby, they need this. Why don't you just do it and like make them sushi, give me a platter. I'm going to bring it to them. They're just going to eat it. And sure thing, he gave me the platter. We gave it to them. They ate it and they were like, in. Fernando, what was your, what, what did you think about this plan? Like to open a, a stall at the food hall? The, the people from the Miami market, they contacted us because Fernando made a, a pop-up Nando in, your son uh-huh. in Brickle right Eric and I so you, we're you forgetting two big things that we're forgetting and because every time we mention Itamai we cannot forget that David Morales and Eric Salzman are just as much partners are part of this story mm-hmm. as we are in what way sure. tell me about them well David it, for example we did not pick the name Itamai like Eric did Eric designed Itamai for us. Eric, and how is Eric involved with you guys? Oh, you gotta talk over there. Mm. You gotta, she gotta answer. <laughs> this a deep, a deep, deep story between <laughs> Eric and, and Val. Well, we don't have to go deep. We don't have to go that far. Maybe, no, maybe I'll, I'll be, uh, was, I'll be the was, arbitrary. No, but that um, was like the, the story. Like we, so I, I tell my dad do this. Mm-hmm. I can't help you. Right. I always Eric and I were together at times. So Eric always did all. Of, he, he's so talented when it comes to branding and 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 concepts and design. And, and design he is so talented um and i said you know obviously being a latina woman i'm like i oh yeah start doing this shit for my dad right now right figure right. out sorry figure out the the logo the name that this that because my dad like we come from that mentality like you you help because you need to mm-hmm. i don't no, this isn't we, even we, we, we reach in we reach to our families first well, we need something. I think. You know, like I was just like, look, my dad needs this. Make it happen. So it was I supposed to be just my dad by himself. And I I was overseeing a little bit of what was going behind the operation of as is like, when is he going to open? Making sure that like um, I'm like a pit bull when it comes to my family. You know, like <laughs> you I'm really nice and cuddly, but I'm protective. You know, so I was just watching to make sure that nothing was being going under. Mm hmm. Uh, the table and then they basically said you know I, I tell my dad look dad I think you should use Demo David Morales David Morales to help you do all the paperwork but you know what dad I think he he's such a special person and he's so 
I think he would just help you so much and he would be so into this and he's been wanting to do his own thing. He's a, he's an attorney, but he's also he's a friend an attorney. of the family. He's a real estate, yeah. Yeah. That you should talk to him about being, doing this with you because I'm not going to be able to help. Eric's not going to be able to help. Nando's doing his music. We can't, you know? Right. And my dad says, okay. So he starts going with Demo and they go into a partnership and they start doing it together. Mm-hmm. And then they, the market said to my dad on like two day notice, like you're opening on Friday. Okay, before before we go any further, because you guys end up all then coming in together, uh, Nando was doing some music at the time, so you were you were rapping. I was, <laughs> and you were like really into it. You were signed by a by a label at one point. Yeah, yeah, I signed a couple of deals with Universal Music Group, and then I think I signed some distribution with Sony. Okay, well I. I know that we have a clip of some of that. <laughs> no. So if we can just take just a break, let's just listen to a little clip of <laughs> Nando Chang. Oh. Oh, you gotta like that. It's no, not just rap. That. It's like it's like inspired by what you guys <laughs> created. It's mm-hmm. it's called sushi chef. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um no, I you know I grew up in this country also, and growing up in the U.S., I I was very much into hip hop culture, mm-hmm. and I yeah rap music being. Uh, a big part of my life uh, especially through my teenage years mm-hmm. so I when I had the opportunity to take a break from cooking or, or, or want to achieve another life goal that I had I tried <laughs> my best to um, yeah yeah to, to explore to, that to, talent to explore that I uh, you know don't think uh, I have the itch for it anymore but I definitely enjoyed um I enjoy those memories very much. So. Well, you gave us that, so that in and of itself is fantastic. <laughs> so then you guys then start, it sounds like at some point you guys all start working together, and I think you should paint a picture like that this food hall, there's a bunch of little stalls, uh-huh. and there's a lot of different concepts and fried chicken and this and that, but something about this Nikkei concept, this Japanese-Peruvian fusion, with the three of you behind that counter really set it apart. Well, yeah, so, so they tell him he has to open... I'm on a trip for North Carolina Food and Wine, and I call Nando, I'm like, hey, you can't leave my dad on his own. Like, he has never even practiced one of these dishes. Like, we have a menu set up for him, but he will go down, Nando. I'm like, I don't care what, he's like, but I'm, I'm like, I don't care. You And he's like, Val, I'm gonna be there, leave me alone. So I'm away for the weekend. They open up the restaurant, Demo, Nando, and my dad, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I'm, in the trip, you know, Mike tells me we're going to close the stores here. You know, I, I would take my position as a sous chef at Sahav, move to Philly. And as he was saying that to me, I'm like, thank you so much. But no, I, I know what I'm going to do now. Wow. I'm just going home with my family. Amazing. And like, I'll be with my dad and, and we'll figure this out. And we had no expectations except make this work for my dad make this a successful space for my dad 
And then Nando and I got together and we're like, excuse you, dad. <laughs> can you can you go a little bit to the right here? Because <laughs> you guys you guys all had to make, you not had to, you decided to make space for each other. And I want to pick up there. I want to take a little break because we have to. I didn't get but, that. But then Did I want to come back that? with you guys and talk to you, uh, talk to Nando, Val, and Fernando Chang, the owners of Itame in the Design District, nominated Sorry, together for a James Beard Award. back on Sundial. This is Carlos Frias and our guests today are Fernando, Val, and, Nan- and, and Nando Chang, the owners of Itame in the Design District, whose restaurant, uh, or rather, who they as chefs have been nominated uh, for a James Beard Award for Best Chef in the South. Mm-hmm. Now, you were telling the story, Val, about making this really critical decision, which is, I'm not going to chase my own chef's career separately. I'm going to do it with my family. Yeah. T- talk, to, talk to me about how important that was do you think for you guys in the creation of of this restaurant i mean i just don't thrive living far away from nando and my dad i've tried i moved (laughs) twice i went to vegas a year and i went to barcelona a year but i just i don't thrive being away from my family my my family my nuclear family was just my brother and my dad you know yeah and at that time my grandma was was here with us too so that was very difficult for me. Like, I don't, I've tried. I've, I've, I always was like, no, I'm going to move to a different, like, state or country and I'm going to do my own thing. But then I'm really lonely. I get super sad and depressed. I'm like, I want to be with my brother Aww. and my dad. So I knew, I knew right there what I needed to do. Fernando, what did it mean for you to have Val and Nando come together and you guys do this together? Oh, it means a lot to me. We did it as a family, you know, yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And and those years you spent apart, then you look to your left and there's Nando on one side, he's <laughs> cutting sushi, and there's Val on the other side and she's plating a dish. And, and, and it's a tiny little space, or it started as a tiny little space, so you guys were really in close quarters. Still that, is. That must, yes. have been, that must have been nice for you too, though, to, to yes. have them so close to you in your yes, life yes. all the time. All the time. Yeah. We, we always spend a lot of time together, you know. So you guys have this family restaurant that you create, but then something happens and people find out about it. When did you realize that you had, did it become obvious to the outside world that you had made something special? I don't know, I don't know, Carlos. I think, I don't I don't know if Val or I are in those small points of our lives where we're looking back at Itamaya like this right now. I think we're still uh, actively so involved that I, I don't, I haven't taken some time to I just don't think, think we think that, that way. No. We don't. We're well, like, not look, yet. We, we do what we do. Maybe later on. We do what we do. We have to do it. Yeah. We don't have, like, I think once we came to the U.S. and we were able to really spend time with my dad, he infiltrated our, our thoughts and was like, you only have one job, and it is to work, provide, and make better than I did. Yeah. You know, so for us, we're just working, but... Whatever it takes. We just happen, like, we, we're just doing what we love and we're working and and that's it and like and yet while you're doing that you have things like the chef jose andres who was nominated for uh you know for a nobel peace prize he's sitting at your sushi counter one day and he's he's sharing it on all his social media that one of one of the most unique restaurants that he's been in is this place in miami what did it mean to start seeing things like that 
It's cool. I want def- <laughs> to. We should cool, definitely yeah. shout out to our our good friend and chef uh, Carla Hoyos because okay. I we, you know, I definitely know that she was very much influential in in in, in having chef come in. Um, Carla obviously worked for for Chef Jose Andres for a while. So yeah, she worked uh, at the uh, World Central Kitchen. Yeah. So how did the, how did work? And she start was to- uh, I think the head chef at Bazaar here in in South Beach for I think a couple of years, which was so, one of uh, Jose yeah. Andres's yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how did word start to spread? And it, like, was there a moment when you guys realized like, oh, like this has grown bigger than just our little spot up here in the, in the food hall? For me, never a specific moment. We were just trying to make ends meet. We had yeah. a goal of like $1,000 a day. 15. Remember? Right. At first it was like, it was like 1000 <laughs> and we would survive. And then we, we started getting other goals and then other goals. And then that was kind of like, we were like, oh my God. Did you see what kind of day we had? <laughs> and oh my God, did you see th- what made it, I think, so special is that we were there. So we had the ability to say, we're going to change this. I, this is the special. Okay, you're coming to eat. I'm going to feed you what I want, which most people don't have the chance to do that because they're on a job. Right. You know, we had the ability to say, no, I don't want to. That's not what you're going to eat. Like, and I think that's what people loved about it, is that yeah. you would come in and then Nando and I would be like, well, we're going to change this whole dish and we're going to do this. And, and, um, and we would just do whatever we wanted to do. But I, I, I didn't have a moment out when that I realized. That first year was so special. That first year was so special. That I was mean, 20, every, That first year and a half of Itamai was the most special time I've ever had at Itamai. I mean, like Val was saying, every dish that left that counter was looked at by Val or I and my dad. Every single dish. That first year and a half, we only had maybe a prep cook and that was it. Right, just the three of you guys doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fernando, what has it been like for you to now look at the restaurant and seeing the the attention that it's gotten and that's been recognized for these honors? And it's this, you know, it all started with you having to make this tough decision. And my customer service, (laughs) (laughs) number one, straight up. (laughs) I mean, that's why people follow restaurants because they feel like no. The inside joke is that my dad would be with Val and I on a really busy Friday night slammed doing the orders that that we actually have in front of us and then a random person comes and asks hey do you have miso soup and Val and I going no we don't have miso soup look at the menu does it have miso soup no and my dad going yes yes I have miso soup and then literally leaving the line to go find miso paste somewhere in our walk-in and then <laughs> actually make miso soup for this person and that's the inside joke to this where my dad was goes his incredible customer service was that that <laughs> it was no matter what time if you knew my dad and you asked him to do something for you he would leave our night and go do that damn thing oh we've trained our staff now <laughs> right first We're first like whether you, if someone asks you you have to look at that uh, papa chain better answer quicker because <laughs> if you give this man a chance, a chance it's a wrap. Yeah. Right. It's you, a wrap. Do you make Chateaubriand? No, no. this is a yes. <laughs> yes. Let, me, let me see what would happen in the walk. Yes. Yeah. It's like that. But That's how my dad At was. some point, we, Nando and I realized Yo, this how, stop. how big it was and that we just couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. So even when people wanted to come to eat with us, we would stagger them at a certain time and and because at the we were just we just had to put out food, you know, so we didn't have yeah. that moment. So we're in the middle of a Friday rush crying on our insides because <laughs> they also this place was very difficult. We had to go back and forth with a fry I mean and then my dad would just drop everything 
for a miso soup. <laughs> and uh, we were now backed up. I mean, it was... But that. But it's also, like you were saying, that customer's... That experience is one of the things that people for remember. Sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For but sure. then we... Re- that's, I think, when we realized, okay, we got to kind of just figure out what everybody's role is going to be here because... My man is out here making miso soup when he's supposed to be making me. <laughs> and those same people will come back to the restaurant. Will make 30 rolls, you know? Ask for the and same thing when my dad's not there. And when Val and I are like, no, we're not making they're like, ugh, that's why I don't like it when you're here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. People, I prefer I've seen people come soup. into the sushi bar and peek, and he's not here today. Oh, that is so funny. Well, you know, that's a common thread. Like, I think of the late Nino Pernetti. Who owned Cafe Abarachi, uh-huh. and people like he had two restaurants at one point, and people would go. They'd ask, "What restaurant is he at today?" And that's the restaurant that they'd go to. So there is an element of like that the restaurant is you, and you are the restaurant. Yeah, like right. I don't agree when someone's like, "Oh, I went to to this place the other day, and one of your space it wasn't the same because you weren't there." And I'm like, "Yeah, I wasn't there because that's my magic. Why would it be the same? You want it to be as consistent as it can." But what you want is the magic. What you want is what, what we make you feel when we say your name, when we tell you I made... Th- like, you can't get that when, when I'm not there. And, and I really wouldn't want it to be there because then you take my soul away. Mm. You know, like, yeah. I, I, there is a difference when I am... Ser- like, when I sometimes would go and serve tables at Itamai, of course there's a difference. That when I tell you, no, 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 you're not going to pick. I'm going to pick. I'm going to tell you what, what's happening here. And you guys have now opened. You guys have spread out beyond there. It's still in the design drawers, just down the hall from the from the food hall, downstairs from the food hall. And you have this space. It's a little bit bigger. There's a little bit more room, and your roles are more defined. So, what is everybody's role now with Itamai? Honestly, I'm just I'm just the sister, <laughs> <laughs> and I go in when I'm needed, or or really when when Nando really is short staff, or because you also have a second restaurant, B side sushi. We have B side, and I've been seeing. I, I've just been trying to focus on our growth. And there's one in the in the arena, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a Chifa concept, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, not anymore. Not so anymore. now we do B-side in the arena in three different spaces. But, you know, I, I, at some point also, we all wanted to express ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. You know, but while still remaining as a family and still, I mean, whatever he needs, whatever I need, whatever my dad needs... We'll always do whatever we need to to keep going and 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 keep the business running. But I think for us, also, we got to a point where it was important for everyone to express themselves. You know, so right. so now we're watching Nando express himself exactly how he wants to, and we just get to enjoy it. Meaning, Nando, you kind of like have taken over almost like the day to day type of thing at the, at the restaurant. You give Papa Chang a little bit of a break. Yeah. I know Papa Chang still wants to be in there every day. I don't know if Val and my dad ever get a break, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, you know, it's the nature of the business. That's I've, Eric and I have been a little more devoted to Itamai specifically over the last uh, two and a half years, mm-hmm. but not that involved where it's it's like on Eric and I. It's always the five of us. Right. It's always. I'm curious. What does it mean to each of you? when you hear your names when you know because that this best chef in the south award is usually a singular award you know not just even the restaurant it's the one person being named but here you are the three of you named for this one award i've I've never seen that happen outside of you guys before what did what did that mean to you to see that happen 
I have like two feel two different feelings, you know, the one of like I can't believe I get to share that moment with my brother and my dad and then there's the other one of just feeling kind of guilty because it's really Nando's show and I I don't ever want to take anything that's not No, that's not how it is. Appreciate you, but nah, that's not how it is. You know? That I'm like, ooh like I remember when Rising Star was still there and you had to be under 30 and we got nominated together the first time together you guys were nominated as rising mm-hmm. star chefs together the james beard folks and then the next year this guy turned 30 and i was still 27 and so they only got me and i i was crying i'm like i don't want to be there without you <laughs> you know and so you that's kind of like the emotions i go through it but but no matter what i'm just happy like i I'm happy on the day to day. I'm happy when I go into the restaurant and I see him. Well, if folks want to see that magic in person of the Chang Gang in action, they can visit Itame. Uh, these three chefs, Fernando, Nando, and Net and Val Chang, are nominated together for a James Beard Award for the best chef in the South. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Carlos. Thank, Thank you, Carlos. And that's Sundial for Monday, January thirtieth. Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Our engagement editor is Katie Leprey-Cohen. Our digital editor is Matt Sanchez. Katie Munoz is our interim managing editor. Our senior news editor is Jessica Bakeman. Peter J. Merch is WLRN's vice president of radio and Sundial's engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. Download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, veteran journalist Mark Potter goes to the beach when most people are still in bed. What he calls Magic Hour is a South Florida sunrise. He recently authored a book of sunrise photography after his wife died of cancer. He tells us how photography helped him grieve and find new beauty. I'm Carlos Frias. Thank you for listening.